are digital nomads. We work anywhere. We're not limited by location. We're not limited by self-belief. We are works in progress. I'm Beck Power, and this is the Nomad Me Podcast. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of shooting this shit with Heather Thorkelson, Arctic explorer, business coach, and one of the most genuinely kick-ass people that I have ever met. Here is how she nomads. Let's do this. Heather Thorkelson! What? What is going on? Oh, my God. Oh, you know. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. You don't even know. I'm excited to talk to you. It's like a little bit creepy. I'm like, oh, my God, Heather. You're so cool. Oh, oh you're making me blush. Oh, it's my God. The podcast. listening to this is like, mm, this is awkward. Like, super girl crush, everyone. I'm just going to, like, put it out there right now so you're not, like, halfway through the episode being like, oh, what's going on here? Like, super girl crush. Heather is, like, the coolest, and we're about to find out why, so stay tuned. Um, we met recently-ish in Barcelona. That's right, at the 7 and 7 conference. We did, and uh, I put down a deposit for my Antarctica trip, which is in, like, years and years, <laughs> but I'm still really excited. You were the first person, I think, to put down your deposit. You were, like, in the front row going, done, done, I'm in. <laughs> You're going to do it. you got to do it properly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, going to Antarctica with you, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're not, you're not fucking bail on me, Heather. I'm so <laughs> excited. We're going to go camping just for the night. And what's the other thing? Swim, we're going to swim in the volcano? Most likely, yes. There's a, there's a collapsed volcano that you can go and do a polar plunge inside. So that's pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Like, I just wanted to like talk about that first before we even properly introduce you or anything because... Oh. It's a good hook. Then people yeah. are like, what the hell are they talking about? Polar <laughs> plunging inside of a collapsed volcano in Antarctica? We have to listen to this episode. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, God, I'm so excited about it. I can't believe it's like years away, but it's fine. I got time to pay it off. Yeah. So anyone listening to this, you can come with us. Why don't I just plug it right now? Let's not wait. You sure. can come with us to Antarctica. It's uh, in 2022. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, you got loads of time to pay that sucker off. So check it out. I'm gonna have all the details in the show notes. But I, I gotta tell you that first because I want you guys to come. It's gonna be awesome. Yep. Right. Calm down, take it down a notch now. Heather, you give us an update. Where are you and what the hell are you doing? Like what do you do? Why are you we talking about Antarctica? Oh my goodness. Okay, so holy shit, this is not as easy as it should be. <laughs> so I'm in Sweden. I'm based in Sweden, although I am nomadic. I I have been working from anywhere, working from my laptop since 2011. I am a business consultant primarily. I started off as a life coach because that seemed like a smart thing to do back in 2011 when I decided I would never go and work for anyone else anymore, Um, but turned into an online business consultant again, as people did in droves, (laughs) but actually did, uh, did well. I've done really well. I've built up a brand called Republic of Freedom which I recently turned from a one-woman show into a collective, which is quite cool. I'm very excited about that. And then I also launched a podcast last week called Republic of Freedom Radio. So that's sort of my bread and butter of my nomadism, let's say, is Republic of Freedom. Um, I've separated my own consultancy out to heatherthorkelson.com, so I'm doing that on the side and helping established business owners grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in, in and amongst all of that fun stuff and sort of working and living all over the world and and, and, you know, 
running courses and doing all kinds of things related to business consultancy and strategy. Um, I randomly got involved in the, the, the business of polar expeditions. <laughs> so <laughs> randomly, randomly. So here's, here's the, the short and dirty backstory. I have always traveled. I had an airline pilot as a father. I started traveling pretty avidly with him when I was eight and we moved out of the country the first time when I was 14. I'm 39 now. So that's a long ass time. Um, I lived in seven different countries outside of Canada, where I'm originally from. And um, so I had been traveling a lot and I'd been, I used to have a really cushy corporate job. I had a lot of money and I used all that money to travel. I lived in like a shitbox apartment in Toronto and just left every chance I got. Mm -hmm. And so in 2005, I was on a ship, an expedition ship going down the Amazon river. And I met some, you know, just some people that worked on board, whatever. And, you know, you casually keep in touch with them on Facebook and whatever. Fast forward to 2013, I've ditched my corporate job. I'm living in Peru. I'm a business consultant running Republic of Freedom, right? I've got this like fucking awesome two-story penthouse apartment, like a block from the, from the cliffs of Lima, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, but I'm like, I'm feeling a little burnt out. It's 2013. You know how the first 18 months of business can really oh. like, Three. Bitch slap you. Yeah, three, three years, actually. Slow three look. years. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Like it is. Oh my God. The, the, the peaks and valleys are just uh -huh. beautiful. So I was like, I am going to slip my wrist. And this guy that I knew very loosely from 2005 from the Amazon trip suddenly is like, Heather, I need to Skype with you. And I'm like, what? Because he's kind of, I don't know him that well. You know, I'm like, why do you want to Skype with me? I'm weird. And he's like, no, I got this opportunity you might be interested in. And he says, do you, so we Skype and he's like, do you want to come and work for this brand new company in Antarctica? Like it's a, it's a contract position. You just come down for like eight weeks. And he's like, I know you have the skill set. You're a people person. You're organized. You're all these things. You're a life coach, whatever. And I had already been to Antarctica. Like I'd already just gone as a paying passenger to Antarctica and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And so he's like telling me that I can just sort of press pause on business, tell my clients I'm going on vacation and go and get paid to go to Antarctica for eight weeks. And it's like, fuck yeah. So I went off and did that and that snowballed into like a much longer engagement with that company, like helping them build their company culture basically and building up positions on board that had to do with customer experience, which was great because it was totally tied into like the marketing that I was doing back in my own business, but just mm -hmm. on, in a completely different environment. And I also met my husband while I was doing that because he's this like polar expedition guy not knowing, of course, that he would end up being my husband. But so it just ended up being something that I kept going back to. Like seasonally, I would go down, I would press pause on my business and run off to Antarctica. And then what eventually happened is that I saw a need or an opportunity, let's say, not a need. I saw an opportunity to open up my own company that specialized in polar expeditioning um, using my husband and his twin brother. Can you imagine? This big Swedish Viking has a twin freaking brother. And... <laughs> They're like six foot three. They both have big red beards. They look straight out of the TV show Vikings. Like they look mm -hmm. like they belong there. And they both do the same thing. They're both polar expedition leaders. So everybody knows them. And so I was like, oh my God, you guys, why don't we have a company? This is so dumb. Like you guys have this great mythology. I've got the business smarts. Let's create an agency. So we did in 2015, we opened up an agency, started running this polar agency. And then last year, completely out of the blue, again, some friends of ours were like, hey, we're buying a ship. And I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, do you want to charter it? And I was like, sure. So, <laughs> so we suddenly became operators overnight in the Arctic. Because you do, when you're a polar expedition guide, you work in both places, right? Because there's like 
um, an austral summer. So like there's summertime in Antarctica, that's tourism time. And then the wintertime, it's pitch dark and there's ice everywhere. You can't go. And it's the same. So when you're not working in Antarctica, you're in the Arctic. So we, out of the blue, in May 2017, suddenly found ourselves as operators in the Arctic, meaning we charter our own ship and we take our own customers to go and see polar bears in the Arctic. Which let me tell you back, when you have never chartered a ship before and you don't know anything about contracts and you don't know anything about anything and like what and you suddenly have to come up with like 500,000 US dollars to put down on this stuff and you don't have it you you better get your shit together like i've grown more as an entrepreneur in the past year than like you can possibly imagine so that is what has brought me to now and that's why you met me at 7 and 7 because i have all this expertise and an agency in antarctica i know that product inside and out and and i love it it's it's our passion it's our family passion really like of not sounding cheesy. <laughs> I love it. I don't want you to stop talking. Let's go back to the, uh, let's go back to the boat. How do you even like, I love this about you actually. And I even as like, before I even probably met you, I was like, I like her. Cause you just say yes to things, right? You're like, you know what? Yeah. Half a million bucks. How are we going to do it? Yeah. Figure it out. It's, it's like the entrepreneurial, I don't know. There's some, there's some factor X factor about people like that. And I feel the same way. I'm like, okay, I've got to do this thing. How am I going to do it? Right. Yeah. Never raised half a million before, but um, yeah. I'm involved with projects that do. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge that is, makes you excited rather than a lot of people would be like, nah, like that's not for me. Or like, I'm just going to totally. stay safe. Totally. Or they, they, because they don't know the answers to the questions, mm -hmm. they say it's impossible. Yeah. I can't do that. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get that money. Therefore, I'm not going to try. They think I'm, I'm not in a position to take on that challenge. And I think that's maybe what makes me different from the average person is that I look at those challenges and I'm like, okay, this is a motherfucker. Let's figure it out. Like now, now we spend the next six to eight months figuring it out. We find the answers. We find the money. We find the people. You know, that's what you really, honestly, as an entrepreneur, that's all you're ever doing. Mm -hmm. It's just like, so you're making things happen. You are fine because none of us know out of the gate. None of us know anything about marketing, about contracts, about client procurement, nothing. So you have to figure that out. But then once you figure it out and you have a business that's humming along and you're making money and you're like enjoying things when you're ready to level up. And this is where I come in with my business consultancy stuff. When you're ready to level up. There's a whole new shitload of stuff that you have to figure out and you have to learn. It's like you never don't learn. You never know everything. Yeah. You know? And so I, I remember like when we got this opportunity with the ship, I mean, it's an, it's just an absolutely colossal amount of risk as well. Right. Because anything could go wrong with the ship. There are polar bears where we're going. Like there's actual physical danger. We have to carry guns. There's all kinds of things that could go wrong, right? I've already been in a near nautical disaster where the ship almost like sank, not in the Arctic, but in the Antarctic. So like, I know what can go wrong. Mm -hmm. And so you're putting your neck out a lot. And um, I, I thought about that quite a bit. And of course, my husband, who's more of like, let's say a, a normal person, not like an entrepreneurial person, right from the get go and still to this day is like, this is insane. We can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. And I'm like, yeah, we can. And we are. <laughs> we're doing it <laughs> I own 100% of the shares in the company so we're doing it <laughs> so um so you know it's there's some there's something some people I think are able to look at that risk and look at the unknowns and go well we just figure it out and I took a lot of inspiration strangely enough from 
the Richard Branson story of when he started his airline. I love that story. He had to go to like 300 banks and everyone kept saying, no, 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 you're a record store, a record label owner. Like, why the hell are you opening an airline? Like, no, no, no. And everyone said no until someone said yes. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I, I, I literally like, I thought about that every day during the early stages. And I was just like, I don't care how many no's it takes. I'm going to get my yeses. And, and like, keep in mind, mm-hmm. I am, as much as I can talk anyone's ear off, I am a huge introvert. Like I fucking hate talking on the phone. <laughs> talking to strangers or like having to call people and like pitch myself yeah. or my company or my products or whatever. I hate it. But I was like, I'm going to make this work because there were so many factors that were in our favor, like just a colossal amount of factors in our favor around expanding the business in this way that I thought we would be absolute idiots not to. And what we're creating is the dream of everybody who works in our industry. Every polar guide wishes that they could hire their own ship and do their own thing Mm -hmm. without a head office telling them you can't do this. You have to do that, whatever. It's a dream to have that kind of autonomy. So we're doing it. (laughs) I just love it. There is something about that attitude. It's like just a can do attitude. I remember when I started my first company ever, like really had less than no idea what I was doing. Like I literally quit my job and was like, I've made these people so much money. I need to figure out how to make myself money. So I fucking flew to China because I was, I don't know how to, I don't know. They have agents that can source stuff in China for you. I was like, I guess I have to go to China and like find a product. And I found these products and I was like, I guess I have to ship them to New Zealand. Like how, what sizing thing? Like I, I ship these bean bags over and I just feel like you, you just solve the problems. Yeah. I'm to sell them to, where can I go? I'll do that. And it's just constant, it's, it's constant work, but mm-hmm. it really feel like work. Cause it's like, we enjoy those challenges. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it, it doesn't, I mean, I guess I'm in some ways in a good position because I'm not worried about paying the bills, right? I think if there were, if I, if I was not making any money and I was trying to grow something with a huge amount of risk, it might be different. But I already had a business humming along that sort of is just works independently of me, whether I'm like really in it or not. Um, and so then the next level of going on to this thing with the ship and stuff and doing all this polar expedition work, it's still super risky. I mean, it, we could, it, it's the kind of business that could like bankrupt you and make you go under if something went wrong. Right. But like, what the fuck, if you never, cha- if you never try, how are you ever going to see what's possible? You know, like, of course there's risk. I think we have this like really shitty thing that's instilled in us in like the, the standardized schooling system of like you should always choose the safe route. I mean, think of how many people, think of how many parents even tell you, don't become an artist. Mm-hmm. There's no like, you know, there's no guarantee. You're probably always going to be poor, uh, whatever. You should get something secure. You know, we're really um, discouraged from doing anything that doesn't sort of have an element of real security in it. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't negate that that is necessary for the majority of people, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's necessary. But at the same time, if you're not one of those people, if you're someone who's a little bit kind of on the outside, on the fringe, if you've stepped outside of the matrix a little bit, a lot of multi-passionate people fall into that category. A lot of, there's a lot of people who, I consider my, myself someone like this who I don't know much, but I have a crazy work ethic. So mm-hmm. like, if I don't know it, I will find out. Yes. You know, I will make it happen. And what happens when you're that kind of person is that the way that you're perceived starts to precede you. 
you know, like people go, oh, Heather, mm. like I can't tell you how many people have said to me since we kind of ventured out into this, this new area. They're like, oh, Heather, if you're, if you're involved in this, it's going to work. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> That's the kind like, of thing people are saying about you, for sure. It, it's so great because somehow whatever I've done in the past has, has built up the mythology around who I am and how I operate Mm -hmm. that now it's being thrown back to me. And that is energizing. I'm like, if you guys think if Heather's involved, it's going to work, then you're also people who are going to help me succeed. Right. Because when you get all these people that believe in you, like that's when the sort of like, you know, magical resources start to appear and people get connected to you and stuff, you know? So it's, it's interesting. I'm kind of getting, I'm like going off in left field, but it is very interesting to see like what happens and how things can snowball. And the reason I'm saying this, I don't, I don't in, by any means need to like mean to be saying like, I'm so awesome. Cause I totally, I'm like a normal person who I'm like, I have all the fears and insecurities of everyone else. But um, I say it as sort of a, an educational thing, like to anyone who's kind of in earlier stages or just starting to dip their toes in the water of uncertainty and risk and trying new things or trying, you know, going out on a, a, on a big uncertain branch in business, keep on going because you eventually, you know, you build up that myth around yourself of someone who's reliable and gets shit done and does really cool stuff and takes risks. And then, and then it becomes bigger than you. Yeah. And I like that you, you know, you've said that it was a roller coaster and there was all sorts of shit that went down in the first few couple of years probably. And um, you started this other business first and learned how to make that, you know, so the whole thing is like a process. It's not like one day you were just in a job and then you woke up and were like, I want to be a polar explorer. I'm going to go and like, you, it doesn't work like, usually it doesn't work like that. There's all these, this backstory and everything. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's, and there's a lot of being in the trenches for mm-hmm. sure. You can't escape that. You know, anyone who thinks that you don't have to go through a little bit of a rite of passage is, is delusional. I know. And one thing I, I like to cover with, um, on this podcast is like, what experiences have you had that have really been and like, I want to get as real as possible because I've had some like seriously real, you know, um, I guess hit, I've hit rock bottom a few times and, yep. and I want to know like what, at what points in your life have you been like, holy shit balls, this was a bad idea or like, I don't think that I could do this. Like I call them like crying on the floor moments. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've experienced those, but I, I did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear about a time that something happened and you were just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. I, I would have to say that like, I'm pretty self preserving. Um, so I haven't, I can't think of scenarios where I've made decisions that have resulted in things going so bad that I was like, Oh shit. But certainly in the early stages of my business, like 2011 into 2012, kind of right in the early months that I was living in Peru, um, I really wasn't generating a lot of consistent income. It was really all over the map. You know, some months were great and I could like pay the rent and everything was fine. And other months it just went shitty um, and there was nothing sometimes two months in a row. I just wouldn't make anything. Cause I had no, I mean, I had like a mailing list of a hundred people. Nobody knew who I was at a shitty website. It mm-hmm. didn't really, you know, so there were times then mm-hmm. when I felt like all I was doing was working and like trying to market myself, probably missing the mark a lot of the time because you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Like 
it takes a long time, a lot of trial and error until you start to kind of hit your stride. So there was a lot of time in that first 18 months where I would be on the floor, like in my bathroom with my back in knots crying, thinking, how, how am I going to make this work? Because for me, Beck, there was no plan B. I was not going back to a job. Like there is no fucking way that I'm going to do that. And so the, the anguish came out of like, this is not working. I don't know what will make it work. And it has to start working now because this is it. This is it. I have jumped and I'm not going back, you know? And it was so hard. And I was with a partner at the time. This is before I met my husband. I was with a partner at the time that was completely not in the online digital nomad world. He was like a complete office person and like didn't really have much empathy for what I was going through and didn't understand. To be quite honest, was one of those people who was kind of like, so like, when are you going to get sort of tired of trying to make this online thing work and like get a real job again, you know? that one a few times. Like he never said it, but... I know, I know what he was thinking, <laughs> you know? And so, and, and like to make matters worse, I had basically been like the sugar mama of that relationship for the better part of a decade because I had this really fancy pharmaceutical job. So I had shitloads of money before. I made way more money than he did. Mm-hmm. And I went from having that and our car that was covered by the company and our internet and like all this kind of stuff. And I was able to travel the world with him, no problem, because I had lots of cash mm-hmm. to not having anything, to being on the floor in the bathroom with my back in knots, mm-hmm. with him carrying the expenses, which come on, it's in Peru. It wasn't expensive, <laughs> you know? But yeah. like to have your primary partner being like, how long am I going to have to pay for things after, after me having carried so much prior? I was just like, the pressure on me was so fucking shitty. I can't even tell you. So that was like for me, and that, that was like up and down over, you know, the course of at least a year I was having, I was going through these phases of real, real darkness and shit. Yeah. And uh, then, then things started to turn around in 2013, thank God, um, like quite dramatically. But so that was really hard, but also, to kind of go back before that, and these aren't things that were that were um, sort of b- by my own design, let's say. But I had a really shitty scenario in, growing up where my parents divorced really young when I was really young. I was 10. And I have two sisters, an older and a younger sister. And my mom had always been a stay-at-home mom. But when my parents divorced, my dad got full custody of us. And we didn't see our mom for 10 years after that. And so, but my dad was an airline pilot, so he was almost never home. And so what that ultimately resulted in, I mean, he was an airline pilot and he is a total abusive asshole who like, it doesn't, he's a sociopath. He doesn't care about other people. So from 10 years old on, essentially, I was taking, I was raising myself, you know, like I didn't have anyone, there was no soft place to land. We were isolated from all of our relatives. We were isolated from all of our friends of the family. I was just stuck in this sort of like locked into this, you know, place with my dad. And we could only interact with people that he said we could interact with. And then when I was 14, he moved me and my little sister to Central America, further isolating us from anything. There was no internet then. This is 1994, right? Mm. Like I had no way of being in contact with even my own older sister who was at university. So those all, like, from 10 to 20 was, like, the, the resilience and the self-reliance that I had to build to get through those years without going completely off the rails was intense. And, um, you know, then when I was uh, 21, I stopped talking to my dad because he's a horrible, horrible, abusive human being. And because I didn't have the pittance that he was giving me at the time anymore, like, I, didn't, I had nobody 
helping me financially at all. I really didn't have much financial help from when I moved out when I was 17, but there was a little bit from 17 to 21. I ended up living in a garage in Vancouver and driving this like death trap of a car that I paid 1300 bucks for to get to my two jobs to put myself through university. So I was like two shitty jobs, going to school full time, living, my bed was in the carport and my cooking stove, my camping stove was like in this little alleyway with a cover in Vancouver. Like it was amazing. But you know, I wasn't like, oh, poor me, I'm poor. I was like, fuck this shit. This is, (laughs) I'm, I, this is awesome. And like, I, this, this is going to pass. This Mm -hmm. is just part of the journey. Like it's going to pass. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better, you know? And so again, it wasn't totally by my design that those situations were my reality for so long of my earlier life. But um, I think that they very much gave me the tools and the character traits to later on approach things with like that kind of, I don't give a fuck attitude. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it work. Cause I know I can, cause I, I have been there. I've been in the dumps. I've been, especially in a place where I have no support, like people who, anyone listening who is what I would call parentless, like you have parents, but they have nothing to do with you and they don't support you and you don't get any financial help and you don't get any like moral support, nothing. I'm sure there are people listening who have that. Cause I think actually it's more common in the nomad sphere, people who are nomadic sometimes become nomadic because they don't have that anchor, mm-hmm. right? They don't have like a family anchor. Um, I think you, when you don't have any of that support, you, as much as it fucking sucks, it also really fortifies you. It absolutely fortifies you. I totally agree. I was, um, I have always thought of it like, I know that if like, I've had my worst case scenario, I guess, I guess there are worst case scenarios if I was dead or maimed or something, but like I've been, you know, basically homeless in a foreign land with nothing, yeah. you know, and I made I made it, you know, and that's happened to me actually embarrassingly more than once. So, yeah. um, like, yes, it's not great. It's not something that I need to be like uh, encouraging people to do. But I think for some people, and maybe you're one of them, we have to go through these things where our back is against the wall and we have no, we have to make something work, and. Mm-hmm. Sure, people can go through and they, they, they seem to have money and they seem to have never had these, like, difficult times. They're like, you only had 30 bucks? And I'm like, I've had – that was, like, a good day. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just think that some people don't need that and they can go through and, and things are great. But for me and for a few other people I've met, and maybe you're one of them, we just need to have this back to the wall, you know. I, we have yeah. to make it work. There's nothing else. I, you got like the cold sweats like freak how am I gonna pay rent how am I gonna, yeah. uh, gonna get another job gotta find a way to find a client gotta like have to do something and yeah. it's like your emergency number which for most people is probably you know a thousand couple thousand bucks mine's like 20 bucks yeah me too <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure me too do you know when I was living in that carport I used to have this is back of course when we use cds <laughs> And so I used to, I had this collection of CDs because I'm a crazy music person. I had this collection of CDs and and by the third week of the month, I knew that my two crappy jobs that I was working weren't going to, like the paycheck wasn't going to get me to the end of the month. And so I would look through my CDs and I'd pick out five and I'd go, okay, I can live without these five. And of course, this is before digital music. I didn't know that one day CDs wouldn't matter. And so I was like, Okay, I'm going to take these big five and there's a place in downtown Vancouver or there was a place, I don't know if it's still there, called Big Charlie's where it was like a used CD, a huge, huge CD store, used mm-hmm. CD store. And I would go down to Big Charlie's and go to the like little teller window 
and like sell them to Big Charlie's for $3 a piece. And I would get 15 bucks mm-hmm. and I could, that 15 bucks could get me through to the end of the month. And I'd eat like rice and beans or whatever, you know, and put a little gas in the car. <laughs> and um, I did that for so long, you know? And so I feel like, I don't think that people need to have these like bottom out stories in order to be successful by any stretch. You know, mm-hmm. you can come from like a great place and have lots of expendable capital and like lots of support and whatever, and still do and still be motivated to mm-hmm. like do amazing things and to build really impactful businesses. No question. But the people like you and I who have been at the bottom often through no real fault of our own, mm-hmm. um, who have been at the bottom and have had no safety net, you learn something uh, that is non-transferable. Mm-hmm. Like it's only for the people who know that feeling of I have no safety net. I have $20 or I have $15 to get through to the end of the month. What's next? It just, it, it's like a emotional skill set that you can only learn by being in it, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, super cool. It's so nice to meet someone that, that understands that. Cause I'm sometimes I'm like, Oh, I feel like the weirdo in the room. Um, well, like, okay, how much time do we have? I'm, like, getting into this conversation. It's awesome. <laughs> um, shall we do the – actually, let me ask you one more question. What changed between um, that time and that kind of mindset versus there must have been some catalyst or a moment or a series of moments that you were like, wait a second, I can get clients. Like, it must have been sometime in Peru, I would say. When you suddenly started getting, wait a second, I can do this, and business started to work. So, like, from when things weren't working to when things really started to work? Yeah, like, there was there a mindset shift? There's usually something like that. It wasn't so much of a mindset shift as it was a showing up shift, I think. I started showing up a little bit differently um, with the way that I was being in my business. So in the beginning, I was, I was right. Like if you go back to 2012 and you read some of my blog posts, for example, even me, I'm going back and I'm like, I said that, that was really insightful. Oh my God. I thought I was really dumb in 2012. <laughs> but so, so there's some really good stuff that I, that I put out, but there's also a lot of sort of, sort of more like mechanical, uh, you know, 10 steps to something, something, you know, like didn't have a lot of personality in it. And at some point the gloves came off. Mm. And it was just because I was like, that's it. I've been playing too small. Like, I think I got tired of knowing that I could affect massive change, not only in people's lives and people's businesses, but also in their lives because I'm a life coach. So when I deal with people, I deal with them, not just on a, like, here's some next, here are like strategy, next steps for your business. But it's like, what's happening in here? I'm pointing at my head for people listening. What's happening in here? Because like 99% of why you're stopped up in your business is psychological. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's fear and it's lack of confidence and it's lack of ability to make really solid decisions for yourself, which isn't a negative. It's a learned skill and you need to figure out how to do that. And that's part of like what I work with people. And so I was like, fuck this, man. I have so, I, I can help people so much and I'm not reaching the people that I can help. The gloves are off. And so I just, I just hit a wall. I hit a wall of not wanting to continue not earning enough money. Mm-hmm. And I started being just much more me, you know, I started like posting videos and doing rants on Facebook and like sending much more personal emails to my list and being really real and people really responded. They were like, wow, that's exactly how I feel. 
And I was like, fuck yeah, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's the authenticity that like brings people closer to you. Whereas I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I'll do these lists because lists are popular, list posts, you know. They're yeah. popular or like, oh, I'll say this popular opinion because I think people will like it more. But like if you, well, the day that you're like, I don't give a fuck, I'm just going to be myself and let's see what happens. Oh, that guy's offended. Oh, well. Like, yeah, it's, you, you, you attract, you know, you attract your tribe. Yeah, you really do. And it's not to say that being yourself is a strategy. It's not the thing that's going to bring in clients, but being yourself to me is a baseline of how you're going to start to truly leverage what you have to offer. And then you put the strategy behind that, Mm -hmm. you know, because now you're getting the right people in your fold and then you start meeting their needs and you start giving them the value that they need. But you don't have these shitheads coming in who are the wrong fit mm-hmm. and who are going to waste your time or are like totally different. From, like, you know, I mean, it's a baseline to be yourself so that you attract those right people. And, you know, to kind of be a little bit more clearer in answering your question, like, what was that point? What was that shift? I just got fucking tired of being an accomplished person who's done a lot with my life and taken a lot of risk and not being compensated. I was like, that's it. I'm ready to earn money now. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I I know there's going to be so many people that resonate with that feeling for sure. Yeah. Um, Are you ready to do a quick fire round? Sure. It's like a game show. I love it. Okay. Okay. So just scared. I know. Everyone's like, oh, it's not not that bad. Also, I usually like talk too much. So it defeats the purpose of the quick fire round, but here we go anyway. Okay. Um, What book are you reading right now? Oh, I'm reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Oh, yes. Amazing. I bought that and then lost. See, I'm talking. I bought that and then lost it halfway through, so I really need to rebuy it. But it was yeah. really good It's excellent. Um, what's your best nomadic memory? Oh, um, building a course, like writing the content for my course, The Leap Guide, while I was road tripping in Iceland. It was magical. It was amazing. My husband was driving and I was just like on my computer and then looking out the window at these, I was like, oh my God, it's Icelandic horses and volcanoes everywhere. And then I'd like type some more. It was really, <laughs> it was a really cool place to be creating a course. <laughs> super cool. So did we guys, how long were you in Iceland for? On that, we go a lot because I'm half Icelandic. Oh. Um, on that particular trip, we were doing a 17 day road trip all around the country. Oh, bucket yeah. list, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your favorite city in the world? Oh, I don't have one, actually. I don't have a favorite city. I, I love a lot of cities for a lot of reasons, but I, there's not one that sticks out, unfortunately. Okay. Boring answer. I know, that sucks. Let's edit that out. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> what is a cause that you care about? I care about, actually, a friend of mine does um, yoga in prison in South Africa. And I really care about that. I, I generally speaking animals, because I think humans are mostly shitty, to be honest. <laughs> I think we're fuckers and ruining the planet. So I love animals. I love elephants, really love elephants and rhinos. But I also think that we need to do a better job of taking care of our humans. And I really, really care about um, uh, rehabilitation. And so my best friend who does yoga in prisons in South Africa and changes these people's lives, I think is pretty fucking awesome. Mm, that's cool. What is a, a lofty goal that you have that you're might be nervous to talk about. Ooh. Okay, I'm just going to make something up on the spot. Yeah, yeah, like a big thing that you would like, wow, maybe I could do that one day. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, one would be be an astronaut. I've always said to my husband, I want to be an astronaut. And I don't mean like be a science astronaut. I mean, being a person, a human being who goes into space. <laughs> That's a lofty goal. But from a business perspective, um, I would really love it if 10 years from now, if Twin Tracks Expeditions, my polar expedition company was like, boss, like one of the big players in the Arctic. And I was an owner, but I wasn't running it. Ooh, that's awesome. That's a good one. Um, all right. Well, last thing, uh, if someone is like resonating with this conversation and they're like, man, I really feel like I could go and do something great, but I've, you know, I've got the fear, um, got my job or whatever that's stopping me, all these reasons. What is your advice to that person? Oh, my advice to that person is to feel the fear and do it anyway. That's, that's always been one of my biggest mottos. You know, I feel fear all the time and I tell it to take a side, a side seat, you know, like I live in fear, but I'm like, whatever, we're, we're cool. We can, we can coexist. I'm going to do it anyways. So do what you really desire to do in this life in spite of the fear, with the fear, holding the hand of the fear, because this is your only life, man. This is your one chance. Like, what the fuck? Nobody is going to hand you anything, you know? So go out and chase it. I love it. Where can people find more information about you? Because obviously every single person is going to be like, oh my God, Heather. <laughs> Race to the website right now. Where can we find out more? Yeah, you can find more at heatherthorkelson.com. That's my um, coaching and consulting site. I really recommend... Even if you're not someone like I, uh, my opt-in says, you know, if you've hit a business plateau, like, come on in. Even if you haven't hit a business plateau, even if you're just sort of in the early stages of business or you just like what I'm saying today, get on my mailing list because I am really personal with it and I'm really high value. Like, I don't fuck around. I'm not going to send you, like, boring messages with sales, whatever in it. Like, I talk to my people like they're my closest friends. And... I have a hugely high retention rate. So I want to create relationships with people. I think that's really critical and important. So mm -hmm. if you're, if you like this interview, come to heatherthorkelson.com, sign up, become my friend. I want you in my inner circle. And if you just want general inspiration about like getting better at being human and finding the courage to do what you want in the world, go to Republic of Freedom, my big collective. Like that's been around since 2011. There's shitloads of blog posts and videos from forever we have a podcast now, so republicafreedom.com. Cool. All those links are going to be in the show notes. Um, we'll make sure that they're there. I'm so excited to have talked to you for this long. Let's, let's, let's do it again, like, really soon. Like, yeah. Thanks. So good to have you. Thank you so much for having me back. This is awesome. Thanks for tuning in today. If you love Nomad Me, make sure to leave your good review on iTunes. Every week, I select a reviewer to win a lifetime Nomad Fly membership for free. All the show notes can be found at digitalnomad.me. See you tomorrow.